Today, we're looking at the word humanity. Because after hanging on the cross for six hours, Jesus said something that was absolutely human. That every one of us in all humanity have said at one time or another. Jesus simply said, I am thirsty. I am thirsty. Now, you know, our bodies are about 60% water. I don't know if you knew that or not, but about 60% water. Our brain is made up of 73% water. And some of you are saying, yeah, I knew that. It kind of slushes around up there once in a while. Our lungs are 83% water. The bottom line is this. You and I, we can't live without water. In fact, if we don't keep enough water in our system, in our body, we're going to get headaches, we're going to get muscle cramps, we're not going to be able to think clearly. So when you are thirsty... You really do need water. Your thirst is that important signal that your body needs more water. Well, Jesus came to that exact point on the cross. After he had been on the cross for six hours, he came to that point where his body was saying, it needs water, I need water. And he said, I'm thirsty. You see, he had been hanging in the sun now for six hours. He had been working as he hung on the cross to push himself up to get each breath. His body was oozing liquid from all of the lacerations. He finally said, I am thirsty. So here was Jesus. The Bible teaches us that he's fully God. And yet that he was fully human. And so then he says something very human. I am thirsty. Just a simple human statement that we've all said, and yet it's packed with significance. I want to unpack that today. Take a look with me in your Bibles, John chapter 19, or on the screen. The Bible says, after this, Jesus knew that everything had been completed. So that the scripture would come true, he said, I am thirsty. There was a jar full of vinegar there, so the soldiers soaked it, a sponge in it. And put the sponge on a branch of a hyssop plant. And then lifted it to Jesus' mouth. Earlier, before this scripture, before he said, I'm thirsty. The Roman soldiers had already offered Jesus a drink. But he refused it. He, he wouldn't take it. And that brings up to my heart and mind, why, why wouldn't he do that? Well, look at this. The soldiers... The Bible says, tried to give Jesus wine mixed with myrrh to drink, but he refused. So Jesus could have had a drink six hours earlier, but he refused. So the question is why? Why would Jesus refuse a drink after all that he's going through? But he refused it because of what was in it. Mixed into the wine was a spice called myrrh. And myrrh is a spice that's a narcotic, it's a painkiller. I don't know if you remember or not, but when Jesus was born, the wise men came to visit him. And do you remember what gifts they brought him? Say it with me. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Each of those gifts were predicting that he would one day be a king that would die. Because myrrh was the painkiller given when people were dying. In their day, no Advil. No Vicodin, no Aleve, but they did have this spice called myrrh. And they would mix it in the wine to ease people's pain. 
Now, why in the world would the Roman executioners offer a painkiller to Jesus, this guy on the cross? They didn't care about his pain. Well, they offered it because a crucifixion would often go on for hours and hours and hours, sometimes even days. And their job was to stay there until the guy on the cross was dead. And beyond that, often those being crucified would scream for hours. So to make their job easier, they offered Jesus a drug. They offered him myrrh. But why did Jesus refuse it? Well, he wanted to pay the price for sins with his senses intact. He wanted to feel the full impact of paying for our sins, the sins of the world. He did not want to die for our sins drugged. God left his throne, came to earth and became fully human to take on all of the pain of the sins of the world upon himself. That they might be paid for by his sinless life. And he didn't want to do that drugged. But now in the final moments he says, I am thirsty. Well the scripture says after this. After what? Well after he had finished paying for our sins by shedding his blood on the cross. After the needs of humanity had been met. After God's justice had been satisfied as the Holy One was hanging on the cross, shedding His blood for the forgiveness of sins. After the scripture had been fulfilled, then Jesus says, I am thirsty. Now this is the only statement that Jesus ever made about His own physical pain. And that just blows my mind. He didn't say a word when He was being beaten. He didn't say a word when the crown of thorns was being pushed into his skull. He didn't say a word when people were spitting in his face and the spit was rolling down his face. God didn't say a word when hair was being plucked from his beard. Didn't say a word when he had been whipped 360 times with the whip called the cat of nine tails. Didn't say a word after 12 hours without water. Didn't say a word about his 24 hours without sleep. There was never a word spoken about his pain. So why did he speak now? Why did Jesus say, I am thirsty? It was a simple human statement, but packed with significance for you and me. By making that statement, Jesus was declaring three things about himself. Number one, write this down. With those words, he was declaring that he was indeed human. That he was, yes, fully God who left his throne, but he was fully human. He was flesh and blood. He was making a theological declaration that he was fully human. You see, some people in that day thought Jesus wasn't really human. They thought that he was God, but he just was some kind of an illusion that he appeared human, but he wasn't human. The Bible says this, though. Jesus gave up his place with God, made himself nothing. He was born to be a man and become a servant. And when he was living as a man, he humbled himself and was fully obedient to God, even when that caused his death on a cross. 
So when Jesus said, I'm thirsty, it was countering a false belief of that day. A false belief of that day was called docetism, D-O-C-E-tism, docetism. And it was a belief that the body of Jesus was just some illusion. That he wasn't really flesh and blood, that he wasn't really a human man. They thought as God, he could just make himself kind of appear to be human But he was not because God would never lower himself and become human. That was the thought of docetism. But when Jesus said, I'm thirsty, it proved he was fully human with a real human thirst. Jesus said, I'm thirsty. And he was saying, folks, I am human. I, I left my throne. I took on this human flesh, this human body like all of you live in. I took it on. I'm here right now. God in the flesh. Next, write this down. And he was declaring then that he was the Savior. Here he was making a prophetical declaration. The Bible says this. So that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. What's that all about? Well, for about a thousand years, God had been telling all of humanity, I'm going to send you a Savior. I'm going to send a Messiah. I'm going to... Send the anointed one to be the savior of the world. And during those thousands of years, God spoke through prophets 380 predictions about this Messiah. What he would do, where he would be born, what he would be like. And today we know that Jesus fulfilled every one of those 380 predictions. And when he made the statement, I am thirsty... He was just fulfilling one of those 380 predictions that had been made about him a thousand years before. And many of those predictions were made even before the Romans invented crucifixion on a cross. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, When I was thirsty, they offered me vinegar. Long before Jesus was ever born, this prediction was made about the coming Messiah, the Savior to come. But why would a jar of vinegar be in an execution site? Why would, why would somebody give somebody on a cross a drink of vinegar? I can understand a cold Pepsi, amen? But vinegar, why would they be, offer him vinegar? I mean, the drink that Jesus was being offered by the soldiers was known as Pasca. P-O-S-C-A. Pasca. It was the drink of the poor in the Roman Empire. It was a, a drink of spoiled wine. To which they added herbs and they added water. It was popular because it was cheap. But also as the wine soured it became very acidic. Very vinegary. The sourness of the wine hid the bad taste of the water in those days. And the acidity killed bacteria in their bodies. And so it was a a common popular drink. Now here's the important part. When Jesus says I thirst the soldiers took a hyssop stick, put a sponge on it, dipped it in this pasca, this vinegar, winish water, then held it up to his lips so he could get some moisture and take a drink. So what's the significance of lifting up that hyssop stick? Well, 1,500 years earlier, God warned the Israelites about a night when he was going to pass over the land. And as a judgment to the Egyptians, he was going to take the lives of every firstborn child in Egypt. They were going to die. 
But on that night, if God's people sacrificed a lamb, spread that lamb's blood above their doorposts and next to their doors, when God's Spirit passed over their houses, their children would then be saved. Well, that's where the word Passover comes from. God was saying, I'll pass over your home and your children will be saved. They won't be touched by death if you'll spread the blood of the lamb around your doorposts. So God said to the Israelites, take a branch of the hyssop plant, dip it into the bowl, the bowl of the sacrificed lamb, filled with blood, and then wipe that blood over the sides and tops of the door frames. And as the Israelite families who believed in God did this, their children were saved. So now we come back to the cross. We come back to the Roman soldiers who had no idea what they were doing as they lifted the hyssop stick dipped in Pascha to the lips of Jesus. But it was a symbol of the Passover lamb that was slain. And the blood being lifted up on a hyssop stick wiped across the doors of the Israelite homes that saved lives 1,500 years before Jesus hung on the cross. And now they were lifting up a hyssop stick to another lamb. Being sacrificed and slain to pay for the sins of the whole world. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, sent as Savior of the world. So they were lifting up this hyssop stick to Jesus Christ, the Lamb. It was a powerful symbol. And every Jewish person there were going, whoa. This is crazy. We, we know about this. That the blood of the lamb should be spread so that no one should die and perish. It was a powerful symbol. Jesus says, I'm thirsty. And with those words, he was declaring he was human. Then that he was the savior, the slain lamb to come, sent by the father. But then next, write this down. He was declaring that he was their loving creator. He was now making a personal declaration. In other words, Jesus had such a thirst to save you from the penalty for your sins, which is separation from God for all eternity and imprisonment in hell for all eternity, that he, Jesus, chose to set aside his throne, that he chose to come to earth, that he chose to go through the torture of the cross with all the feelings that we have in a human body, just so you, would have the opportunity to spend your eternity with God the Father in heaven. Jesus Christ is your loving creator. The Bible says this, God demonstrated his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So Jesus said, I'm thirsty. And with those words he was saying, I am fully human, but I am the sent Savior and I am your loving creator. And I thirst for you. He was thirsty for you and me. But here comes the next big question. Will you then say to him, I am thirsty? Will you say back to Jesus Christ, I am thirsty for you, Lord Jesus. The one who loves me more than anyone else could ever love me. Would you say, I thirst for more of you, Lord Jesus. With those words... Will you admit that maybe you have become spiritually dry? There was a time when you first gave your life to Jesus Christ where you would go anywhere for Jesus. You would do anything for Jesus. You were seeking Jesus, the living water, day after day. 
But maybe you need to admit today that you've become some, something more dry than that. That your spiritual life has, has maybe dried up. Will you admit today that you have a greater need for a greater thirst in Jesus? Would you admit that you have allowed your, maybe your spiritual tank to become almost dry? Would you be honest and admit that you have a greater thirst maybe for things other than Jesus Christ? Would you be honest and say that maybe you have a greater thirst for a boyfriend or a girlfriend than you have for Jesus? That you have a greater thirst to have a baby than you have for Jesus? That you have a greater thirst to get some degree or some income level than you have for Jesus? Would you be honest and admit that maybe you have a, a greater thirst for some certain vacation location than you have for Jesus? That you have a greater thirst for some upgrade to your home or to your car than you have for Jesus? Listen close. Whatever you are longing for more than Jesus, I can guarantee you will leave you absolutely empty and dry. Whatever you chase after more than Jesus will just one day leave you empty and dry. King David said this, Oh God, you are my God and I, I long for you. My whole being desires you like a dry, worn out and waterless land. My soul is thirsty for you. Are you like David longing for Jesus to quench your thirst? Is your soul thirsty for more of Jesus? Listen really close now. Only Jesus, who's the living water, can quench your thirst. The Bible says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. When you long for more of Jesus, when you choose to chase after Jesus and living right in His sight, living in righteousness, the Bible promises you, you will be blessed. You will be filled. But look at what God the Father says. He says, my people have done two evils. They have turned away from me, the spring of living water. And instead, they have dug their own wells, which are broken wells that cannot hold water. So here's the deal. God is like a spring. He will quench your thirst if you'll just turn to Him. But far too often, we go dig our own wells. We go look for somewhere else, hoping to, to find something that will quench our inner thirst. So we go here and we go there and we dig deep and we get involved in stuff and we hope that'll, that'll quench our thirst, but it never does. No other well holds what can satisfy the inner thirst of your soul. You see, looking somewhere else to satisfy your thirst is like being right there at Niagara Falls and yet looking for someplace else to get a drink. How foolish is that? Jesus is like a river far greater than Niagara Falls. And yet we turn away from him and we look for someplace else to satisfy our thirst. Will you say this morning, I am thirsty. In fact, pastor, 
I've kind of gotten spiritually dry. And then would you say that you need to come and drink from Jesus? With those words, would you declare that you need to come and drink more from Jesus? Will you admit that you need to change drinking fountains? Amen? Change your source for water. The Bible says this, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, if you are thirsty, come to me. If you believe in me, come and drink. For the scriptures declare that rivers of living water will flow out from within. Folks, if you are thirsty spiritually this morning, you don't have to go to Starbucks or Coffee Bean or McDonald's. Go to Jesus. He's inviting you to come. To come drink from Him. And in fact, Jesus says this, people soon become thirsty again. After drinking this water, just normal water. But the water I give takes away thirst altogether. It becomes a perpetual spring within them, giving them eternal life. Here's the bottom line. If, if you're feeling unsatisfied in your life today, if there's no happiness in your life today, you can blame a lot of people, you can blame a lot of things, but there's a word for it. You're thirsty. You're thirsty. You're spiritually thirsty, and the only one who can quench that thirst is Jesus Christ. He has proven that he is thirsty for you. The question is, are you thirsty for him? Here's the truth. His thirst for you drove him to the cross. Amen? It drove him to the cross. And he was willing to go through all of that because his thirst for you. To bring you home to heaven because he created you and he loves you. And he wants to spend eternity with you. But the real question is, has his love shown to you on that cross driven you to thirst for him? To really have a thirst for him. I don't think there's one of us here who can say that we don't need a greater thirst for Jesus. I, I think we all at some point in our lives have thirsted for other things in this world more than we've thirsted for Him. So today God is asking you to change that. God is asking you to commit to change that. So today I'm going to ask you in just a moment to stand up and to step out and to come to this altar. In fact, I'm going to ask the worship team to come join me on stage right now. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand up and to step out and to come to this altar. And I'm going to ask you to come and let this bottle of water represent Jesus. And I'm going to come and ask you to, to come and take a hold of Jesus. There's a J on the top. Stands for Jesus. I'm going to ask you to come and take hold of him, the living water. Now, all these bottles up here that are lined up, they're just water. Nothing special about this water. You've seen it before, Costco, amen? Sometimes we thirst for Costco, yeah? Nothing special about the water. They're just symbols. But would you let 
This J and this bottle of water today represent the Lord Jesus Christ. When I ask you to come, would you just come and take a bottle of water and would you stand here at the altar and unscrew the cap and take a sip. And as you drink from Jesus, the living water, would you be saying in your heart to him and mine today, Lord Jesus, I'm coming with a new commitment to start drinking from you, the living water, more than I have been. And then would you just take this back to your seat and take it home. And would you, throughout the week, take a sip every day and recommit, Lord, I'm coming back today. And let this be a reminder throughout this entire week, Jesus, I'm coming back to you. Amen? Would you stand with me now? As the worship team plays, would you just come and do what I've asked you to do and make that commitment to drink from Jesus, the one who satisfies Let's come.